Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why, Chris Horbidell, joined by Greg Crone. Gregory, how you doing? Buddy, let me tell mm-hmm. you, the Phillies are going to break my heart. This is, this is just, it's, it's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. Like it's, it's, I'm in. They, they, they win three out of four from the Marlins. It's, it's all going, it's all going according to breaking my heart's plan. Like, this is just going to happen. They're going to hang around in this race. It's going to come September, and then I'm just going to be dead. But then the Eagles will be already in the process of breaking my yeah. heart. So then we're fine. Um, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll be able to survive that. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into this, I suppose. I've got BovadaSportsBook.com open in front of me, and uh, we've got some baseball props that I, I thought you may enjoy because baseball, 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 um... Let's start. Actually, it appears right now that the the NL MVP odds have been pulled. I I imagine that is you know in reference to the Degrom injury. Everything everything is crossed out. On did they say did they say exactly what his injury is? I know there was the forearm tightness thing, but has it been determined what his actual injury is? It's an outstanding question. Uh, because it's baseball related, I'm going to consult my my advisor, Google. And, <laughs> and they're uh, DeGrom improving, but not throwing as of seven hours ago. Ah, so we're just doing forearm tightness. Okay. Yeah, to resume throwing. DeGrom battled nagging injuries throughout the year, but uh, previously hadn't gone more than 15 days between starts. He'll surpass that mark Friday. Remains unclear whether the Mets expect him, uh, when exactly the Mets expect him to pitch again. Currently back in New York, continuing to receive treatment. I guess that makes sense. But my issue is, is I feel like, I mean, he's obviously a shoe in mm. if he continues to pitch the way that he does. Like, I just don't see, I don't see any other way around it. He's is he the MVP so- and the Cy Young winner? I think so. I mean, his not his pitching numbers for sure. I mean, you you just pencil him in for Cy Young. I don't really care how good Wheeler's been. He's been phenomenal. Degrom's just been better. It's just it's just the way it is. I don't even know. I mean, if you talk about the third place in those particular <laughs> situations, like I don't even know who who you look at. There's not many options, you know. Um, yeah. But I think he's far and away far and away the winner. DeGrom's numbers are just, they're silly. They're like, they're like 99 overall created player video game numbers. He is seven and two with a 1.08 ERA. The whip is 0.5. That's, it's, it's, it's absurd. And 13.27 strikeouts per nine. I would compare it to the fact that last night I claimed my 41st career major 247th career tour victory in Rory McIlroy golf for Xbox. Um, Congrats, those buddy. Are the type of, I know. I'll send you. something over. I think I've won. I think I've won every U.S. Open for the last five to seven years. Mm. It's it's actually insane. Um, 
like those are the kind of numbers that just make zero sense that he's able to put up. Like it's it's wild. Yeah, even in the uh, we can put on foreign substances part of the season, those numbers are just insane, just just ridiculous. Prior to the the odds being pulled, Bavada had Degrom at minus one thirty to win the MVP. The next closest to Tis at plus one fifty. Yeah, I, I mean. The the problem with Tatis is, I, I don't know, like, I know he's the name, right? He's on the cover of the show. He's mm-hmm. the guy. I just don't know if the team's success is necessarily there, right? They're third place, five and a half games back, tough division. They should probably be better in terms of, like, the talent they have, the pitching they brought in, Um that, I think, holds them back, whereas the Mets, despite being in a less competitive division, are in first place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tatis is putting up, you know, standard MVP numbers. He's not putting up silly video game numbers like we talked about with, yeah. with DeGrom. Yeah. It is going to be interesting. I don't. I, has, has somebody won the MVP and Cy Young in the same year before? I'm sure that, yeah, pitchers winning MVP... Uh, this is where we need the old producer to look it up. Yeah, right? no, no, duh. Be, um, pitchers winning went from a hundred. Oh my god, uh, Degrom started the season as a hundred to one odds to win the MVP. So if if people would have put money on him to win MVP prior to the season, you could have you would have uh, won a hundred times whatever you put in. So that's, that's solid. Uh, insane. We, okay, there are ten seasons. Where players have won both MVP and uh, Cy Young, I and mean, this is a, a who's who, as you can imagine. Ooh. The list is Raleigh Fingers, Don Newcomb, Roger Clemens, Don McLean, uh, Willie Hernandez, Dennis Eckersley, Justin Verlander recently in 2011, Clayton K- Kershaw in 2014, a guy named Koufax back in '63. And uh, a fellow named Bob Gibson in '68. It's a hell of a list. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I will say that. Wow, I didn't realize that Verlander and Kershaw were that recent. I mean, I should, I should know. Twenty that those years, those years, I'm sort of at a loss in mm. terms of sports because they're the Verizon years, right? They're like my <laughs> Bermuda Triangle years. When you work retail, you're you literally have like zero life outside of that. So following yeah. sports diligently, like, isn't. It just isn't possible because you're working nights, weekends. You're not watching every game. Like you, you know what's going on, but you don't know the fine details of uh, of those seasons. So that is interesting for sure. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at these Koufax numbers from the season that he won in '63. You know, Koufax often considered maybe the best pitcher in baseball history, if not in that top three or four. His numbers when he won MVP in Cy Young: 1.88, so 0.8. Hot, you know, percentage points higher in the ERA, almost a whole point higher, and his WHIP was a .875, which is .3 uh, points higher than uh, than Degrom. The season Degrom's having, it, it is just, it's silly. I mean, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we will see this type of dominance again. Not like, do I, we? Well, I wonder if we see this kind of dominance from Degrom for the rest of the season. It's going to be really interesting to see if you know he was one of those guys who was benefiting from the spider attack. That is, if, but his numbers didn't really change since that was removed. Like they really didn't. 
they they went up a tiny bit, but not not by that much. If you compare when that stopped and when that moved, like I don't I don't think the it, maybe his ERA went from like point eight nine to one point whatever it is now. Like I, I don't think there was that big of a jump. That's an interesting question. Let's let's look at Degrom's numbers. I guess Spider Tack was what uh, beginning of July. Yeah. So we'd be talking about starts in July, and there's not going to be a ton of them just because he's been hurt. So let's uh, let's see Degrom's stats, ESPN. Uh, well, shout out to ESPN there. Game log. Uh, he has two starts in. Okay, he has two starts in uh, in July. He started on July 1st and July 7th against the Braves and the Brewers. Lost one. Wasn't a bad game. Seven innings, gave up three runs, uh, struck out 14. And uh, the second game he won, it was an eight-inning game, and he gave up two runs in seven. So very good, but by no means. His ERA actually, counting the July... <laughs> so his ERA prior to July uh, July 1st... Uh, never got over the highest it ever was at any point in the season was 0.8 at the end of june it was 0.69 it is now up to 1.08 so he has almost doubled his era since the spider tax stuff has uh, come into play but still is putting up unbelievable numbers yeah uh, yeah I, I mean it's hard to it's hard to fathom really like you consider some of that stuff uh, a game where he K's fourteen and goes seven innings a bad start. Right, <laughs> like it's it's wild. Yeah, gave up three runs. Gave up. Three oh runs. man, walks nobody. Do you know what I would give for a pitcher that would give up only three runs? Well, uh, my left arm. I'd gi- I'd offer up my left arm. Well, you'd just be happy if there's an actual pitcher who is not uh, not in COVID protocols for the Phillies. Wow. Uh, that's accurate. Are you excited about the uh, the return of the Mickey Moniac era? Oh, I mean, I was jumping jumping for joy when I got the news that <laughs> we were bringing old Moniac back up to the to the bigs. This is exciting, man! Number one overall pick. You, he has to be a game changer, right? Because you don't whiff on the number one pick. No, how could you? I mean, all four franchises whiffed on one and two uh, over the course of like a two year span. So you know, solid. Here, let's, Very solid. Let's play a little game. So I gave, I told you DeGrom, Tatis are the top two MVP candidates at Bavada. Where does the first Philly come in, and who is it? Oh, man. It's, I mean, it's a toss-up to me. I would think it would either be Reese, but I don't know if his batting average is high enough. He just has the home it's, run numbers. I believe his batting average right now is 233. Yeah, that's not going to get it done. Um <laughs> Unless he had 45 home runs, right. that would be different. It's like, like I, Adam Dunn kind of numbers. Yeah, then my guess is it's Bryce, and it's probably like 3,000 is probably it. So I will tell you that there's a giant jump. Um, you go DeGrom minus 130, Tatis plus 150, Soto plus 4. Then it jumps. The next guy is Bryant at plus 3,300. So there is a 2,900-point difference between three and four. Oh, my gosh. I will tell you that Bryce Harper is tied with three other guys for the number five overall odds Mm. at uh, plus 4,000 at Bavada 
and he is tied with Lindor, Castellanos, and uh, Nolan Arenado. I mean, Bryant might not even be in the National League by the end of next week. Yeah. So that's interesting. Soto's on a team that legitimately stinks. He just hit five home runs in four games. So all of a sudden, those odds skyrocket. Also, he's outstanding. Uh, well, he is excellent. There, there's no, I'm not denying that. That's like, uh, I remember when the Nationals won the World Series the year we signed Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. and people who I know who are Phillies fans maintaining that that wasn't a big deal. It's 100% a big deal if you're a Phillies fan. You should hate that more than anything in the world. That the year we take their superstar, they win the World Series. Well, and they arguably replace him with a better, younger, cheaper superstar. Yes, yes, precisely. <laughs> Which we never seem to do. We have guys like Mickey Moni. That's not. That's not true. I, this is this is I, very recency bias. Please name the last the last young Phillies talented player that came up. Name them. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm, again, I'm saying there's a recency bias element that comes into play here, but. Utley, Rollins, Hamels, all these guys are homegrown. Uh, well, Ryan that's Howard. Well, 15 years ago. Yeah, but they're legitimate superstars. I understand Team, teams that. Teams don't grow, not grow superstars all at one time. And the Phillies had a group of three or four. And they haven't grown any since then. There's not one since then. What about Alec Baum? I was told he was going to be outstanding. That guy stinks. Yeah, it seems that way. He's going to be playing first base next year when, when Hoskins is playing for somebody else. That or the National League brings in the DH. Hosk- mm. I, I think Hoskins is gone. It, it, um, I don't want to get into the DH conversation because it's just one of a million things that baseball does that is utterly and just uh, unexplainably stupid. But Well, either do it in both leagues or don't do it at all. Agreed. Like, that's the answer. And like, you, let's figure it out and put the argument to rest. And you had it fixed last year. Why did we break it again? Well, because we're baseball and we break things constantly. That's why we stink. And in 100 years, there's going to be like seven people watching. <laughs> Well, hey, one of them will be you. So, yeah, well, we'll see. God willing. <sighs> hey, I don't want to get into a uh, a genetics conversation here, but <laughs> I, I, I really okay. This, that's this is another podcast. Who is following Harper tied for fifth? Where does the next Philly come onto the uh, the MVP list at Bavada? It's got it. Ooh, man! It's either Wheeler or Real Muto. Uh, and I'd say they're probably, I'd say it's Wheeler and it's probably like 11th. Zach Wheeler, not on the list. All right. So this is where this is bullshit because he's the, he's the second best pitcher in the, in the national league. Right. Like I don't, I, okay. Well, regardless, then the next one's definitely got to be real Muto and he's probably like 13th. Uh, he is. If you say not on the list, I'm hanging up the phone. How, what did I do <laughs> wrong? He is. Uh, Romuto is 14th at plus 5,000. Okay. Well, not a huge jump once you get from five to from five to 14. No, in he's in. Well, and it's not. It's not even really 14th. One, two, three, four, five. He's really tied for ninth eh. with Bellinger, Freeman, Machado. Mookie Betts, Trey Turner. How how do we get Reese Hoskins for Chris Bryant going? Can we start that conversation? Uh, I, we can have the conversation all we want. I don't know how much it's going to sway decision makers. I, I need NBA-style trades going on where we just throw, we send the next 
decade of first-round picks. We miss on them every year anyway, so who cares? I, um, I actually really like the last two first-round picks. I think it's, they're very interesting picks. Mick Abel and Andrew Painter. But, uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, there's going to be some time for that. Mick Abel's the older one at this point, and he's 19. I mean, Painter looks like he's 13 years old. Oh, he really I don't does. Know. I mean, maybe that's just old man yelling at cloud sort of, you know, mindset but he really he really does he, I mean, this is one of those times uh, this uh, th- that made me feel old and then today i got uh where we got the school supply list for back to school for like real school like mm-hmm. real pre-k at a real grade school yeah that's when you're the parent when you're the parent end of that conversation <laughs> that's when you know you're old it's yeah. like yep i've hit that i've hit that mark in life <laughs> Well, I do think this is definitely a perspective thing because I remember watching, you know, back when high school kids were allowed to come out of the draft, I remember watching the draft and thinking, oh my God, these guys, these are grown men. These guys, look look at them. And now I'm like, oh my God, that's a child. That is a child playing basketball. (laughs) If you were 17, six foot one, 220 pounds standing next to 18-year-old Kevin Garnett right. at 6'10", you know, 260 or 250. Well, I, don't, I think he was probably like 215 at that point. He, he might have been skinnier than that. But, yeah. it's, it's, it, of course, you're going to see that person as a grown man. You're right. It is perspective for sure. I remember watching the draft and, and thinking like, oh, my God, Danielle Marshall looks so old when he got drafted yeah, well, that, in UConn. I mean, I mean, that is – Danielle Marshall looked like he was 47 when he got drafted. So – he, he he progressively he didn't get he didn't look any older as his career went on he just stayed 47 years old yeah. throughout and now like we've got a guy in Tyrese Maxey who he's played a full season in the NBA and i swear to god like he should be in the high school around here probably i mean he, i mean let's start looking at Beaverton Oregon high schools and we can get him enrolled uh that'll be perfect ship him right on off Things are Lord. things are not great in Oregon right now, Greg. I don't know that we should be sending anybody to Oregon other than the only thing we should be sending to Oregon are our well wishes. The fires are out of control. Yeah, I heard it's bad again. All the people that I know that still live out there, you feel for them. It's it's not great, man. It's uh, you need some rain in in the worst way possible. Yeah, and it's weird because I don't think of Oregon as like drought prone as California, but the fires have been equal over the last couple of years. Oregon may even have the. Uh, the advantage, certainly this year, I was reading an article about that Oregon fire, and what a fun topic, by the way. And uh, <laughs> it is so big and so out of control. I guess like a fire releases some kind of some kind of gas. I don't remember what it is, and these gas form clouds. And this usually isn't a problem, but the clouds that have formed are so big that it's causing its own weather patterns. And these cl- these clouds are prone to lightning strikes. Which, Ugh. as you know, only creates more fires. So what I'm saying Ugh. is the world is ending. Well, uh, that's probably not true, but that is insane. Um, you remember when the, Australia was on fire for like a like six months? Yeah, we forgot about that. Yeah, just moved though. on. We just we just we got it we got it moving we got it moving right into the world shutting down very quickly after that. Mm-hmm. Everybody forgot about Australia um, until they were like the first com- uh, the first you know, place to have sporting events with full capacity fans again. And then we were like, Hey, remember them? They're pretty cool. Yeah, um, we should move there. Only we can't move there. Cause they won't let us in. 
Not yet. Eh, we'll, we'll get. We'll Canada's get letting us in now, Greg. You excited about that? I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm eyeing up properties in Edmonton. Let's just let's just dive right into the cold. Apparently, Toronto to properties are out of control too. I've been reading a lot of stories Dude, about that recently. The the last time we talked about Toronto properties, the first thing I did was go to look, and it's California style. It's like yeah, Los Angeles. That's style what I'm pricing. hearing. It's wild. That's what I'm hearing. Well, it's I, wild. You know, I've I've got a house, a couple uh, a couple houses down from me available. So I'm I'm praying to God that it sells stupidly high. Oh well, that's that's all you can ever hope for. Just praying to God that in this market it's going to sell stupidly high, and my, <laughs> my property values can go up a little bit. Well, it most certainly will, dude. Uh, but to get back to Oregon, not to bore anyone else with weather and fire talk, but yeah. like you don't realize, like when you think Oregon, you think like Portland, mm-hmm. you think like you know University of Oregon, Oregon State. But like eighty-five to ninety percent of Oregon is just nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just like wilderness. And like dry, weird desert. Like it's, there's not a lot. Go- Once you get past like the middle of Oregon, not even the middle, really like the eastern side of Oregon or the western side of Oregon. Once you get away from that, like I drove through all of Oregon to get back to, to, to drive home. There is, there is nothing out there. It is small town, small town, small town, and then just desert and dry land. Nothing like you would expect when you think of like, a Portland or, or one of those bigger cities. That makes sense. I get, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of that as well. Of that perception. Yeah, no, Hey, I mean, I believe me, I, before I lived in Oregon, I would have never been able to tell you anything about Oregon, any factual statements about Oregon. I, I barely have any factual statements now. And I lived there for two <laughs> years and we've been talking about it for like 10 minutes now. Who knows yeah, how much of that's legitimate. So let's, podcast. uh, Let's move on to the the AL odds for MVP at Pavada. These are these are live at the moment, and uh, I know this is going to come as a giant surprise to you, Gregory. But uh, a an angel currently leads that list. Shohei Otani minus three hundred, the favorite, followed by Vlad Jr. Uh, plus two twenty five, and then a, a a cliff until we get to Xander Bogarts uh, Bogarts at uh, plus thirty three hundred. I mean, there really is no, there's no other option than Otani. If he, if he even halfway continues to do what he did in the first half, it's a lock. It's an absolute lock for MVP. I don't care how bad the team is. I don't care, you know, not going to make the playoffs for the 800th year in a row. Like it, it doesn't matter. They're making it or he's winning it. It's just, that's how it's going to be. It's it. It's a, it's a bet. That's a, a sure thing is what it feels like. Yeah. Oh, I meant to uh, I meant to talk about this, but you and I haven't uh, haven't gotten together for a minute. I wanted to thank the uh, the 383 people who came out and played poker with us uh, a couple of weekends ago. That was uh, that was super fun. It was an excellent turnout, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to uh, potentially doing it again. Dude, yeah, we uh, the, me personally, and then everybody on Better's Delight loved it, man. We had we had a great time. We it, like. It was great Sunday afternoon chatter to be able to talk trash, fail miserably at mm. our expectations, obviously, Yeah. Uh, in terms of where our personal performances would go. Uh, but it was great to see a bunch of listeners out there getting uh, getting involved. I was excited about it. Yeah, and it's just it's good to know that there's that degree of engagement, too. To get almost 400 people to come play cards in the, on a Sunday in the middle of summer is uh, it's a pretty impressive feat. Yeah, man, I, uh, I I was very very happy about it. Like, and listen, 
I don't want to. I don't want to say that I boasted a little too much, but I, I boasted a little too much in terms of how my performance ended up going. But uh, we had fun. I hope we do it again. Yeah. From so from what I've seen and from what I've heard, Matt and I seem like we were the last two who were still playing. Yes. And we we fi- which we both not neither one of us did particularly well. We both finished in like the one eighties. That crumb, he didn't. He he was dead silent the entire time we were playing. Uh-huh. He like wasn't texting the group about like oh what where are you like you know what table and like that kind of thing. Just so we like could see like how well we were doing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we me my, me Mike and Mark get eliminated, and he's like oh I'm in, I'm in uh, I got this many chips. Okay, you slow played us. We didn't know you were doing this. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I went a little too hard on an A7 at one point, and that, that was really the downfall. I, I jumped all in because I thought I could steal a pot, and I could not, is how it turned out. I just ended, I ended up with two, two middle-level pairs that just did, weren't enough, but I couldn't get off of them on back-to-back hands, and there I was on the rail, 230th place or whatever it was. <laughs> Very disheartening. Yeah, but you know, it's a good experience, and uh, it was very fun to get out and play with the listeners, even if uh, you well, know, the anonymous nature of it takes away a little bit. But the ability to just talk trash, and especially since we didn't really know what we didn't know going in, and that specifically being how difficult it was to get our individual player numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think we ended up figuring out exactly what it was, but I agree with We did you. not. It was, it was, well, I did. I, I think we can talk about it later. Yeah, well, no. Uh, you see you saw what it was after the fact. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was really no way un- unless you were so if you played the if you downloaded the app, if you downloaded the poker app and everybody should for next time. Uh then there was a way to go in and you could see what number person you were when you signed up for the tournament. I didn't know that's what we needed to see. I thought we would. I thought each individual sign up generated a unique player ID, so I was waiting for that. But you can't access that number if you're looking at it through the browser. Mm. Wow, that's very telling. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we had, there. There was a number that <laughs> that everybody sent me. Basically, everybody sent me the exact same number because it seems after you sign up, it seems like oh, that's my number. It wasn't. That was the tournament. But it was ID. the po- it was the tournament number. Yeah. <laughs> Once I started getting text messages with it, I was like, well, that that can't be that can't be what, what we're looking for. Yeah, I will say, though, shout out to the person who won. I don't remember the player number, but it cashed in pretty nicely. Yeah, it's it, a good takedown for, for that kind of tournament. Hey, it's real money for a free sign up. You're not going to beat that. Like, that's that's just awesome. And I know that a giant percentage, I think like the top third uh, people in the tournament got some sort of prize, but it obviously dropped substantially from like one to two to three to the rest. Yeah. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of like the top 80, I think in terms of, of who got paid out. And yeah, you're right. But uh, like in terms of like, Oh, if you came in this place to this place, it was a little bit of a lower amount, but those, those, that final table made out pretty well. I'm I'm disappointed. I couldn't, I couldn't live up to my, uh, my promise of making it there. Hey, did you understand the format? Because I kind, I didn't really understand it going in. I my impression was that you know you'd be playing with your table, and if you won that table, you'd move on. But it seems like that wasn't the case. Nah. So the way the way a lot of online poker works when it comes to like multi-table tournaments is they'll 
they'll randomly move you around depending on like chip size and evenness of tables and things like that. Mm -hmm. So at any point you could just win a hand and then you'll just be moved to another table or you could not do anything and be moved to another table just based off of, you know, what your stack is and whatever the algorithm Mm -hmm. is to, to make it as even as possible across the, across the board. It's not like, and I know what you mean. Like, uh, when you get like when you would play like at home poker tournaments, and I know me and my friends would do this when we had like multi table like tournaments on bachelor parties and things like that, mm-hmm. it'd be like okay, you guys get down to three out of the seven that are at this table. We'll get down to three, and then the la- the last six will just meet in the middle. Uh, online doesn't necessarily always work that way. Yeah, I was what it seemed like to me because I know there were there was obviously thirty minutes of late registration, so through that period, it seems like. Any time, and and my table got down to three people at one point, me and two others, but then Ooh. but then they were very quickly filled in, and I assume they were filled in because the the people who jumped in had the fifteen hundred starting number, yeah. so I think they were filled in with late registrations. Could be, yeah. I don't know exactly how that back end stuff works, but it's for sure like that's typically how that how the multi table stuff goes. It was yeah. fun. Online poker is an interesting thing, it, it, honestly. If I if I hadn't then been traveling like very close to after that, there's a chance I would have been running around the online poker world again. So I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> but it got the juices flowing for it. I'll tell you that. I've been pushing for the for the underdog bonus tournament for a while now. I think I think that's something we're gonna have to move forward with maybe by the end of the summer. Let's go, let's go. Why the hell not? Right. I'm, I'm willing to take down multiple other hosts. Uh, that's fine by me. I do want to set up where we can see each other, though. Is that a thing? Well, I don't know if you could see each other at the table itself, but I'm sure we could set up a Zoom call where we could shit talk Just or whatever. Have everybody jump on the call. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes some sense. All right. Well, that's that's just conversation you and I are going to have in our private time. But <laughs> while we're here on the show, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Al Cy Young. A lot of hype around Mr. Otani. He's a starting pitcher in the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star game, for, uh, for Christ's sake. Where do you think Bavada has Otani in AL Cy Young odds? I feel like it's it's interesting because I feel like because of name recognition. Now, I know, you know, despite the fact that he signed a giant deal with Fanatics mm-hmm. and he's selling a ton of merchandise, there's no way he could be baseball's most popular player. No, he, um, he doesn't speak English, Greg. I mean, yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of all time. For sure. Um, but it's, to me, I feel like there's he kind of, because his pitching numbers aren't, like, they're not Cy Young level. So no. I think, I think there's a way to get that crowd. I would say he's probably somewhere in the range of, like, 3,500. Uh, Does that sound right? Plus 3,500? Are you asking me or telling me? I'm asking. Well, it sounds all right. He's not he's not too far away from that, is what I will tell you. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Otani's I'm numbers not- this year, you know, they're certainly not bad numbers by any stretch of the imagination. As a pitcher, he's four and one with a three point two one ERA and uh, a one point one WHIP. So the numbers are the numbers are are good to very good. But if he did not also have what's he got now 34 home runs he's probably not the starting pitcher in the all-star game no of course not i mean they do that for the spectacle yeah. of the all-star game which nobody watched but you know right. they, they 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 do that for the spectacle of everything that's why they did that that was a rob manfred got on the dugout phone and was like hey, hey 
whoever the AL manager of the All-Star game is, this is who's starting and this is who's batting leadoff. Yeah, just let's get this. This is what everyone's here for. Let's just give it to them right away. Mm-hmm. Even after his Didn't piss work. poor performance in the home run derby. Yeah, I... Home run derby. Can we just go back to rounds? Like, we don't need head-to-head matchups. Oh, for I sure. don't need... Like, just give me rounds. Hey, you have two minutes... Whatever you want to throw the bonuses in there, that's fine. Top three, top four make it to the semifinals. Swing again, top two make it to the whatever. Like mm-hmm. to have head to head matchups is so annoying. I, I think you don't like they think it builds more anticipation, but in reality, you take away from like the spectacle and like the Josh Hamilton 35 home run, the Bobby Abreu 30 home run <laughs> okay. round. Like, like. We need that. Yeah. I need that back. Not you know. Oh, I gotta beat this number and then I'm just done. That's it's it's a no. It's annoying. I don't like it. Agreed. Otani tied for eleventh in AL Cy Young odds at Pavada, by the way. That's not surprising. I, I I didn't expect him to be very high. I would think like, I would think it it probably even though the Yankees stink, it's based off name recognition, it's probably like Garrett Cole at the top. Cole is the favorite, minus 130. Rodon, uh, second at plus 200. Yeah. Turning to the... Oh, maybe we won't be. Uh, I don't 100% see the odds for the NL. So, ignore what I was uh, just intimating. Well, I wonder if they pulled that because of the DeGrom stuff. You would think they almost certainly did uh, and just haven't gotten around to actually removing it from the page yet. The the MVP stuff is they're all all the names are just crossed out. Yeah. So and now that I reload all the futures are almost entirely different. What can you do? That's the that's the gambling world, baby. Things are changing, moving and shaking. Uh, Okay. last one we got here. Let's let's stay on Shohei for a moment. Will Shohei Otani win the American League MVP? Bavada says yes, minus three hundred. No, plus two twenty. Uh, I mean, it's almost worth taking no, just for the positive odds. If you got a little spending cash, just to see if somebody can overtake that. Yeah. I don't remember who was number two on those. Vlad Jr. Right? Yep. Eh, Blue Jays aren't having that bad of a year. They're actually a pretty good young team. Vlad won the home run derby, so there's the name recognition. He already has name recognition, too, because of his dad. Uh, you could see him sneaking in there and stealing it if he could put up if he could put up a big second half and the Blue Jays contend for the playoffs. I don't know. Never mind all that. One. The real last one I'm going to ask you. The Tokyo 2021 winner in, in baseball. Bavada has Japan as the favorite. Uh, plus 115, followed by South Korea, plus 3, USA, plus 3, Dominican Republic, plus 6, Mexico, plus 1,000, Israel, plus 3,300. Listen, I've seen, I've seen the odds. I've seen the team. There's one guy. There's one guy that helps me make this pick, and it's very easy. I mean, this should be one of the most obvious things in all of the world. Tell us, Greg. Like, it really... It really should be. And it's a guy who took down Japan once in 1998 in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It was Godzilla. Is it Godzilla? It's not Godzilla. It's Todd Frazier, former major leaguer, former Met, Red, Yankee. I don't know. He played for like 17 different teams. The beast from the east, 
Mothra. The Toms River, New Jersey native. Todd Frazier is playing for Team USA. If you think he can't take down Japan again, 13 years or uh, 23 years later, I got news for you. He can. USA plus 300 all day. I just saw, I was watching a documentary uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, it was about a giant gorilla that attacked Japan looking for a sea monster. Uh, I think it was called Godzilla versus King Kong. And I don't know, man. King Kong did some work, too. Hey, listen. I love how you phrase it as a documentary. I hate you. <laughs> I was really confused for a second. Um, yeah, yeah, King Kong did. King Kong, King Kong did a, a lot of good work when it came to to fighting off Godzilla in that one. But did you watch Todd that? Frazier? No, God no, Chris. I spent the last I spent the last twenty four hours watching Grounded for Life season one on Peacock. I, Do you think I've watched anything newer than two thousand and eighteen? I don't understand you. Although Donnell Logue is amazing. I will say I, I this then and and <laughs> I know I know we're running short on time. Yeah. However, and maybe we could save it for next week. I did I did send a note to Matt, and I said top five thirty minute comedy you know thirty minute sitcoms. Ooh. And I had the list, and boy, that is a hard list to make. All right, the moment no, I, we can't we can't dig into this. This is a spoiler for next week, Gregory. Has to be. That is going to be it for this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. For Greg Crone, I'm Chris Horwitz. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.